From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. The Prime Minister is trying to calibrate his climate policy to better fit into a post-Trump world, but he faces a conservative revolt on his own backbench. Australia is facing the real threat of trade sanctions if it doesn't implement serious emissions reduction targets, but it's not clear if political paralysis will allow the current government to do so. Today, columnist for the Saturday paper, Paul Bongiorno, on the coalition's climate standoff. Paul, I wanted to start by asking you about an event that the the Prime Minister attended at the beginning of this week at an Air Force base in New South Wales. It seemed a bit unusual. Can you tell me about it? Well, um, his opponents don't call the Prime Minister Scotty from marketing for nothing. On Monday, he did a minutely planned photo opportunity when he visited the RAF base at Williamtown in New South Wales. He and his uh, entourage arrived at the event to the blaring strains of Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins. That was the one that was used in the soundtrack for the 1986 action movie Top Gun, starring Tom Cruise. Well, Morrison took so long to get to the podium that they had to play the track twice. And as you say, it did look a bit unusual. Certainly the wags on social media thought uh, it was the PM lampooning himself. Okay, so what was all of this about, Paul? What was the Prime Minister doing at the Air Force Base? Well, the event was to mark the role the base will play in maintaining the joint strike fighter jets. They're the ones Australia has pumped up $17 billion to purchase. And as far as the PM was concerned, the engineers and pilots and planners... And everyone who's involved in this project is a top gun, in my view, because it requires... But, Ruby, as the rest of the week panned out, it was crystal clear that Morrison is no top gun when it comes to delivering the sort of decisive leadership Australia needs if it's to participate in the reinvigorated global efforts to contain catastrophic climate change. While Morrison was top-gunning on defence policy, a revolt on his own backbench over net zero emissions by 2050 from senior nationals highlighted just how far behind the game Australia is. The new US president and even the Conservative Prime Minister in Britain, Boris Johnson, is making Australia's top gun look more like a pilot in a simulator Okay, so there is obviously no doubt that the election of Joe Biden, who who really does see climate change as an existential threat for the planet, has reignited a global push to tackle carbon emissions. But in this respect, Australia is starting to seem like a bit of an outlier. So what is the risk here for us, Paul? Well, Ruby, at the last election, the Liberals, you may remember, derided Labor's interim target of 45% emissions reduction by 2030. They said it was an economy-wrecking prescription. There's a difference between the emissions reduction target that we're putting forward at this election, which doesn't choose between the economy and environment, it chooses both, and what the Labor Party is proposing, which is 45... Well, the new Biden climate plan aims to cut greenhouse gas emissions from the power sector to net zero by 2035. 
Furthermore, Biden, like the European Union and the United Kingdom, will factor in carbon tariffs for future trading arrangements. The new US president intends to exert as much leverage as possible in confronting climate change, and his approach has created a stronger impetus for countries, including Australia, to adopt a target of net zero emissions by 2050 something the current federal government has refused so far to do. So we could risk losing out in terms of trade deals because of the federal government's unwillingness to reduce emissions. Is that right? Well, that's exactly right. Already the issue has come up in negotiations with the United Kingdom and the European Union for new free trade agreements the Morrison government is pursuing. The evolving geopolitical situation will be an acid test, you know, Ruby, for the Prime Minister's claim that he will not be dictated to by other countries, but will always put Australia's interests first. The problem for Morrison is that he's caught between the demands of the powerful countries we need to trade with and we do trade with, and the pro-mining and fossil fuel interests backing his own government and within his own government. Can you tell me more about that, Paul, who specifically are the the pro-mining and fossil fuel interests that are holding Scott Morrison back when it comes to taking stronger action? Well, primarily, it's the nationals. They've served notice that they will not readily accept a net zero target. That pushback is being led by three former ministers of the party, now relegated to the backbench. Former party leader Barnaby Joyce, with ambitions, of course, of a comeback. I think that, first of all, we should actually see all the details of what's implied by a net 2050 target. Former Resources Minister Matt Canavan. I'm opposed to this policy because it's mythical. And former Sports Rorts Minister Bridget McKenzie. The Nationals have been very, very clear. We won't be taking a blind leap of faith on a zero emissions by 2050. Well, they blitzed the media this week with their ultimatums. They're determined to set the agenda and preferably replace the current leader and Deputy Prime Minister, Michael McCormick. Joyce and Canavan wrote an opinion piece in The Australian where they said, while they can't stop signing up to a target, we can vote against any subsequent legislation if it's noxious to our constituents. You might remember Joyce in opposition was a serial floor crosser and says it gets easier the more you do it. Now, if Morrison was of a mind to call Joyce's bluff, it could see the government's effective one-seat majority in the House of Representatives disappear. Now, to try and mitigate against this threat, government sources are telling journalists off the record that no legislation is needed to set the target. But while that might be a solution to Morrison's immediate problems, it doesn't resolve the bigger political issue, which is that he's caught between shifting global opinion and rusted-on recalcitrant backbenchers who are refusing to budge. We'll be back in a moment. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. 
Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. For long-time editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for, please. <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very pro-therapy on yeah, this. If, yeah, no, if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Paul, what is Scott Morrison going to do to navigate his way through this situation? Do you think he'll rebuff the Nationals and push ahead with a 2050 target of net zero? Well, Ruby, the Prime Minister went on a spin offensive this week. Behind the scenes, he and his team were working hard to convince the Canberra Press Gallery, for one, that he'll take a 2050 net zero commitment uh, to the Glasgow Climate Conference hosted by Boris Johnson at the end of the year. He's clearly aware of the global mood and, in fact, the mood in Australia, where there's now strong support for a net zero target and real action to get there. And, in fact... Uh, his little choice, but to make an announcement along these lines. I guess the question is, how does he plan to get there? Well, he says by technology and not taxes. But not even Morrison can believe that some miracle new technology on the eve of New Year 2050 can make up for doing nothing significant for 30 years, as Barnaby Joyce and his mates seem to be espousing. Mm. So basically, we're in the situation where even if Scott Morrison publicly says he supports a net zero target, that won't mean much unless his own government allows him to take the steps that would be needed to enact it. Yes, indeed. Deputy Prime Minister Michael McCormick at the weekend tried to sue for peace when he suggested agriculture could be excluded when compiling Australia's net zero numbers, basically a carve-out for the farming sector and the Nationals' base. But Matt Canavan completely rejected the idea. He says the net zero target is mythical because he believes no one will actually achieve it or in fact wants to achieve it. On Sky News, he said it's a bit like saying if we just shut down 95% of the economy but protect 5%, everything will be okay. And then came his crunching conclusion. He asked rhetorically... I mean, mean, how are we going to mine coal? Uh, How are we going to expand and develop northern Australian agriculture? If we're not allowed to clear land, if we're not allowed to build coal mines and forget about manufacturing... So, Paul, do we know what farmers are saying about this proposal, given that they seem to be critical here um, when we're talking about a proposed carve-out of agriculture? Well, the Nationals' rebels are at odds with the National Farmers' Federation, who support the target. In fact, the rebel Nationals' position angers many of their own farmers... One from central Queensland, Domenica Jensen on ABC Radio, accused Canavan and his crew of using farmers as cover for their real agenda. Yeah, he's just the nationals under the guise of agriculture. You know, he can say, look, I'm doing it for coal. That's fine. Coal is another important, iconic industry. But don't do it under the guise of agriculture because as the climate... She says the climate is getting hotter and hotter and more and more farmers are dealing with incredible suffering. 
She said, we won't have much of an industry if the climate keeps getting hotter and drier. So it's okay to politically pretend you're advocating for farmers, but has he come out and spoken to all of us? And maybe have a look at what it's like to desperately wait, you know, from one rain event to another after you've invested 100000 to put a crop in and just watch it die due to lack of rain. Maybe those are the conversations he needs to connect with. And another farmer, Annika Molesworth, told RN Breakfast the Nationals' rebels were making her extremely anxious about an irresponsible failure of leadership. You look at the projections, you look at the trajectory that we are currently on, you look at the political inaction on addressing this issue in the serious and urgent manner that it is, and you do feel a sense of despair. And, Ruby, there's no doubt that the coal lobby, rather than the farming sector, is the more influential player here because the big miners bankroll in a big way the Liberals and the Nationals. So, Paul, where does all of this leave Scott Morrison? He doesn't want to be isolated on the world stage, but he does seem to be at the mercy of this small group of of Nationals MPs. So what does this mean for climate policy? Well, Ruby, it means the time to end the climate wars in Australia has well and truly arrived. You know, Morrison needs a break with the past and decisive real leadership. And I can tell you, if he shows it, it'll be welcomed by farmers and by many Liberal MPs, particularly in metropolitan seats, whose voters are now demanding that real action be taken to address what is this climate crisis. Paul, thanks so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Ruby. Bye. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. Also in the news today, Melbourne's Holiday Inn outbreak has grown to 10 cases as two more people linked to the COVID-19 cluster tested positive yesterday. Victorian health officials said the two new infections were both household contacts of existing cases. And Australia's Chief Medical Officer, Paul Kelly, has said that the rollout of the vaccine in Australia is still on track to take place later this month. Kelly said that vaccinating quarantine workers was a priority and that they would be at the front of the queue. 7am is a daily show from The Monthly and The Saturday Paper. It's produced by Ruby Schwartz, Elle Marsh, Atticus Basto, Michelle Macklem and Cinnamon Nippard. Brian Compo mixes the show. Our editor is Osman Faruqi. Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. New episodes of 7am are released every weekday morning. Subscribe in your favourite podcast app to make sure that you don't miss out. I'm Ruby Jones. See you next week.